Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. We've been looking uh, at this first part of the book of Genesis as we've been studying systematic theology. We've been looking at uh, these things particularly in the beginning uh, because these are integral uh, to the doctrines that we believe, the doctrines we hold to, and especially this one that we're dealing with uh, this evening, one we, we dealt with at some on Wednesday night as well, and that is Adam's fall here in the garden. Adam's sin and what it cost not only Adam, but what it cost even us today because of this sin that was passed upon all men. Uh, here, Adam and Eve, of course, they are in the garden. We were looking last time at the specifics there mentioned uh, the serpent, more subtle than any beast of the field, came to them and began to speak to Eve and to tempt her with that fruit uh, that was there that God had given them command not to eat of. As we talked about on Wednesday, I don't know how long it was uh, before Adam fell. I don't. We, there's debate that goes on. How long that would have been, uh, some, some believe it was a matter of days, some believe it possibly could have been years, I don't know, I don't know how long it was that he was in the garden. I think it fairly quick because for whatever reason there's no record of Adam having eaten of the tree of life yet. Um, and the, the tree of life had Adam had eaten of that, what I understand the scripture to say. If he had eaten of that, he would have lived forever in that sinful state uh, after him falling. And so uh, that, that apparently was not the case. Adam had not eaten of the tree of life at that point. And so I think it must have happened fairly quickly uh, for them to eat of the, this fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that God had commanded them not to eat of. And having not ate of the choicest of the fruits that were provided for them in the garden of the tree of life. He had not eaten of it at that point, uh, but would indeed break God's law and eat of the other first. Uh, and so this tells me it was fairly quickly. Some believe it was the very day that Adam and Eve were created based upon uh, some scripture reference in regards to this. Psalm 49. Hold your place here in Genesis 3. Psalm 49 and verse number 12. Psalm 49 and verse number 12. And I, I don't know, uh, this, this is an argument that is used. I don't know if it's, if I hold to this or not, uh, that this is the case. I'm just giving you the argument that's used here with Psalm 49 and verse number 12. Nevertheless, man being in honor, describing, from their, their perspective, describing Adam in his state without sin there in the garden, man, nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beast that perish. He abideth not. The word abideth not in the Hebrew means lodged not one night. Lodged not one night. And so and, and again, I don't know that this verse <laughs> verse directly applies to Adam, but this is one of the arguments that's used that man 
was created in that state of honor. And in that state of honor was not able to keep himself even one day uh, before he would eat of the fruit and perish like the rest of the beast there, it says. So uh, this, this is an argument made that it happened the very day they were created, that Adam and Eve ate of that fruit that they were commanded not to eat. I don't know. I don't know how long it was. Uh, I don't know how long it was before they ate of it, but the fact of the matter is they did they ate of it. They broke God's law. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, that Eve was tricked. She was beguiled. Uh, she was tempted by the serpent and she was tricked and ate of it in that state of trickery. Adam, however, the scripture tells us was not beguiled. He knew what would take place. He knew that him eating of that fruit, he would die. And he chose to die with Eve uh, if that was going to be their, their fate. He chose to die with her. And so he also ate of the fruit, knowing full well what he was doing when he ate of that fruit. And so they ate. Now, they, uh, nothing happened to Eve in the instant that she ate of the fruit. It was not until Adam ate that their eyes were opened. It was at that point they saw themselves sinners. They died spiritually, uh, having eaten of that fruit. Before there was no fear, before there was, there was no problems in their life, the Bible tells us they were naked and didn't think anything about it. There was no knowledge of sin in them. They were innocent before the Lord in this sin. They, there was no knowledge of sin. There was no fear. There was no fear of death in them. There, there, was, there was nothing wrong. They were created in that state of good that God had proclaimed them to be in. And, and in that state, there was, nothing, there was nothing amiss. There was nothing wrong. They ate of the fruit that God had commanded them not to eat of. Eve, of course, ate of it first. Uh, having touched and didn't die, she took the fruit and ate and gave also to her husband, and he did eat. As I said, Wednesday, I don't know where Adam was when the serpent began to speak to Eve. I don't know if he was right there. I don't know if he was over tending to another tree at the time, maybe petting a monkey. I don't know what he was doing, but he was not. If, if he was around, you think that him not being beguiled, he would have said, wait a minute now. That's, God didn't said not, not for us not to do that. But he doesn't. And so I don't know if he was there or if he was elsewhere, but Eve took the fruit, she ate of the fruit, nothing happened to her, she gave to her husband. He knew exactly what was going to happen. The scripture tells us he knew he was going to die eating of that fruit. And he ate of the fruit, he chose that, he chose Eve over his obedience to God, and he ate of that fruit, and immediately their eyes were opened uh, they saw themselves naked. They, they recognized then their sin. Their sin was open before them. And in that instant, they, they had died there spiritually. They would die physically. But the death, the, the primary death, is that spiritual death that took place. And that death is passed upon all of us. Not only the physical death, we all physically die as well, but also that spiritual death, we're born with that death. 
That's already on us, you see, even from birth. And this, this was, has carried on in that regard. And so Adam chose this sin. He ate of the fruit, he chose this sin, and death passed upon him as it passes upon all of us. Now this is, well, before I get further into that, let's go back here uh, to chapter number 3, and, and we'll see there verse uh, number 11. Uh, we'll begin there as uh, the Lord has come in the garden. Uh, he is um, talking uh, to Adam and Eve here, uh, Adam and Eve hiding themselves, uh, sewed themselves fig leaves together to make them coverings for their nakedness. Uh, that, by the way, is one of the reasons I believe that uh, I believe that the the forbidden fruit tree of knowledge of good and evil was a fig tree. Uh, for one, uh, that they sewed fig leaves together. Uh, that was the. I mean, you suddenly see yourself naked. That's the first thing you grab, and so they. They grabbed at those fig leaves, but that's not the only reason you look at what a fig tree is in the rest of the scripture. It's always representative of either the nation of Israel or the law. It's specifically related to the law. And it, the law, of course, reveals to us what is, what is good and what is sinful. Uh, so the, it, it's always used in that reference. Look at all the references to the fig tree given to us in the scriptures. It's always in reference to the law of God or in some cases to the nation of Israel in regards to the law of God. You can see that. So that's one of the reasons I believe it was probably the fig. Um, but nevertheless, whatever it was, he could have very well taken it out. It may have been the only one and he took it out. I don't know. Um, uh, but whatever it was, they ate of that fruit that God had commanded them not to eat of and their eyes were opened, they saw their sin, they saw themselves naked, they tried to cover themselves, they hid themselves from the presence of God, uh, him coming into the garden, God calling out to them, where art thou, Adam? And uh, Adam, of course, said, well, we, we were naked and we hid ourselves. And then he says in verse 11, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat. And the man said, here they begin to play the blame game. The man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me the tree and I did eat. And he blames God here. Lord, this woman you gave me, it's your fault. You happen to give me her. Maybe I wouldn't have ate of this fruit, but here you give me this woman and she gave me that fruit and that's the reason I ate it. And then the woman, Eve, said, said well, it, it wasn't my fault uh, when the Lord asked her, what is, it this, what is this that thou hast done? She said, the serpent, he tricked me, and that's the reason I ate. The serpent beguiled me, and I didn't eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. 
this not only in reference to the physical reality for serpents, for snakes, uh, even in our day, but this is in reference specifically also to Satan and his, his place there in the overall direction of the work of the gospel to bring to pass our rescue. What Adam, what Adam brought us to in the fall and in that, that not only the physical death because of sin, but especially the spiritual death because of sin, what we are brought to because of Adam, we are promised here by God, and this is the first recorded promise of this, that there is a rescue for us. And that rescue is going to come by the seed of the woman. That being a virgin birth is what he's in reference here to. It's going to be a supernatural birth of this one who would come and he would bring that deliverance to us. Satan would bruise his heel. He would give him that deadly wound. And that indeed is seen in the death of our Lord for us on the cross of Calvary. It was by wicked hands that they crucified and slayed him there. But in that deadly wound that he would receive for us to take our place Upon the cross, he would in turn crush the head of the serpent. He would indeed crush Satan. He would win the absolute victory over him in that death for us and in subsequently his resurrection for us that 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 very thing that Satan brought to pass here in the garden as Adam and Eve would eat of that fruit our Lord would fix it. He would, he would heal us of it. He would deliver us from that in His death, burial, and resurrection and at the same time crush the head of our old accuser. Amen. The very one that would bring this wickedness to pass. He would crush him. And so it says, He shall, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. The Lord begins to tell them the curse now that sin has brought in this world. Sin, as we talked about this morning, sin is always a destroyer. Sin is always destructive. And when sin is given a place now in the world, because of Adam's sin here, there are consequences that come with that. And the Lord tells them here, these are these curses now that are going to come upon you because of sin entering in. Unto the woman He said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrows thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. The first part, of course, is to Eve. She was the one that ate of the fruit first there of this particular part of the, of the, uh, of the curse. Uh, in sorrow, she would bear children. There would be pain in childbirth uh, that would come with that. Uh, he uses the phrase, thy desire shall be to thy husband. 
in the, in the garden economy, Adam and Eve were exact equals together, uh, codependent on each other in, in that marital relationship there in the garden, not one head over the other. They're, they were equal in every way, uh, help meets for one another. And now with this curse that comes because of sin, there's going to be a power struggle now that is naturally in us. Uh, now it will not be that interdependent relationship on one another and that, that, that working together as husband and wife uh, naturally. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's the way we are called to be when you read over in the New Testament, especially in Paul's writing in, in the book of Ephesians, as well as in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Timothy and, uh, and Titus. He gives us some of those directions there of how that is supposed to be as the children of God. We're supposed to have that kind of relationship. But in order to have that kind of relationship between husband and wife, interdependent together, depending on one another, each looking and, and and seeing each other as equals in that relationship, but the problem is because of sin, self still rises up. And part of the, part of the issue here is is what he tells Eve here is her desire shall be to thy husband, or thy desire to thy husband is literally what it says in the Hebrew. And what he is saying to her is she wants to rule over Adam. Eve, Eve will want to be boss over him. And, he, and then in turn he says, Thy husband, he shall rule over thee. He shall rule over thee. So there's going to be a power struggle. Because of sin, that, that, um, that insecurity, uh, that inability to trust, that, uh, that holding on to, to, to my power, and what I want to be, that, that's still there, and that struggle then will be a part of those of marriage from that point forward. And, and what Christian marriage is about is dying to self so that that's not there any longer. What Christian marriage is about is, is that we are, give ourselves to the service of the Lord and serving our spouses one for the other, so that this is not the reality for us. And yet, still, 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 <laughs> that old flesh rises up, and there's still that struggle that comes in. This is part of the curse that comes. This is part of what, what happens with that sin entering in. Thy desire shall be to thy husband to rule over him. He shall rule over thee. Unto Adam, he said, verse 17, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. We are so blessed. I tell you what, we are so blessed in the world that we live in today and, 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 and what God has blessed us with and the, and the science that we have and, and modern capabilities that are given to us in our day 
that, that yeah, we still have to work, but we don't, we don't know what it was like for <laughs> Adam when he first had to take off and start doing this and, and learning these things. And our forefathers that, that have experienced these very same things and, and experienced these struggles, we're blessed. Now, that does not mean that we won't get back to the place where we're going to be out there in the garden uh, sweating like Adam is described here just in order to feed our families as well. Uh, there might be a day where you can't go get it at Walmart. might be a day where there's still a Walmart and they don't have no food in it. I mean, we don't know uh, these realities uh, of, of the future that is to come, but one thing we know is that it is part of the curse that this is a reality for us that there has to be work in order for us to live. There has to be work in order for us to eat. There has to be work in order for us to have. And so this, this is part of the curse that has come. Now, Adam was still working before the fall. Or he was commanded. I don't have, again, I don't know how much he worked. <laughs> but he was commanded that he was to tend to the garden. That was his purpose. But it was, it was easy. In his heart, it was easy in the physical nature of it for him. Now, because of sin, the ground is cursed. So that now there's thorns and thistles that will come up and overtake, uh, overtake the, the, that which Adam is growing to eat by. Uh, there was uh, one time Heather and I, uh, we'd been married a few years, not too long. And we put out a really big garden one year. And I mean, it was pretty. I mean, pretty. I had uh, corn in that thing growing up nice, and and had the potatoes, and the potatoes they were all up about that high, just full plants. I mean, they were pretty, pretty plants. And uh, I had uh, I was uh, going away that weekend preaching at a church, and I thought, well, I'll go down and check the garden before we leave, and make sure everything's okay. And I went down there and I looked over the garden, and everything. Well, I would step back. Oh, that's. Well, look at that. That is a pretty garden right there. I mean, it's just pretty. Uh, everything just full and then bloomed, just beautiful. And I went walking through the potatoes, and I had one, found one potato bug. I took that thing off and killed it. And it just, everything just looked really good. We went to preach that Friday. I left to go. We went to Illinois, and I went, we went up there. And we come back on Monday uh, afternoon. We got home, and I went down to the garden. And as soon as we got home, and there was not a leaf one on our potatoes. Not a leaf on those four rows of potatoes that I had planted. And they were full, big, I mean they were pretty potatoes. They wasn't nothing left stems sticking up and so I don't there's potato bugs all over them. And I don't know if it was the potato bugs that, that did it by them. So I can't they must have been a swarm of them come through. So <laughs> <laughs> but there, I mean, it cleaned them off, and there was nothing, there was nothing of those potatoes left. Uh, <laughs> it's it's sorrow <laughs> to live in this world and to work in it, and that's part of what he's talking about here. The ground is cursed. The ground is cursed for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns, thistles. Shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face, he says, shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, 
For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. It's work. It's work to be able to, to feed, to live. It takes that, that reality for us because of sin that is entered in. Adam called his wife's name Eve, verse 20, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Now here, here because of Adam's sin, God had to provide a covering for him. He's already promised deliverance. But that deliverance was not yet. He's promised that the Messiah would come. That He would take care of this problem of sin. But it was not yet. And so until He would come, there had to be a provision given for their sin. There had to be a covering given. Now that covering was only temporary. It was not to be an eternal covering here for Adam and Eve. We know that because you get over to chapter number 4 and we see their sons carrying it on. It was not a, a, a one and done covering. It had to be continued in order for them to have a covering of atonement until the Lord would come and bring the final atonement in which he would do on the cross. So God provided for them coats of skin. Now in order for them to have coats of skin, he could have just produced them some clothes, but that's not what he was teaching them. The innocent, the innocent, would have to die in order for them to be covered for their sin. And so the Lord provided for them animals to die in their place. I believe it was sheep here that was given, that the Lord showed them because that's what we find Abel doing in chapter 4. He takes the sheep of the flock to offer that sacrifice to the Lord. It would only make sense. He would do the same thing that was taught to him by his daddy. And so likely it was sheep given by the Lord here to make them their coats of skin here. So in order for Adam and Eve to have their nakedness covered, to have their sin covered, there had to be death of the innocent for them. Now we see this go from uh, Adam on through, even through Abraham, we see this still being carried on. Uh, up until the time of Moses. Laws given in regards to it during the time of Moses. That's part of the reason the scripture tells us death reigned through this time frame because there was still, because there was still sin, there was still required death to come, uh, so that they would have that covering, that temporary covering for the time. Again, the law was not given in regards to this until the time of Moses, but we see those sacrifices being performed from the time of Adam on through, so that they would have a temporary covering for their sin, a sin offering for their sin until the time that the Savior would come 
and give himself as that, that payment that was looking forward in all of these sacrifices. And so we, we, this is speaking to them in the covering that was given here, that this was a temporary covering for time until that, that work that was promised there in verse 16 would come to pass. Uh, that the Savior, or verse, not 16, rather, but verse 15, in which the Savior would come and crush the head of the serpent. Now, this is the sacrifice that was given for them, and we find then, verse 22, the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Here we see God's grace toward Adam and Eve in the sense that he was not going to permit them to eat from the tree of life and continue then eternally. It's what it seems he's saying. Continue eternally in that sinful state. He was not going to allow them to do that. And so in order to keep them from the tree of life, he puts them out of the Garden of Eden. Therefore the Lord God sent them, or sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. In the book of Zechariah, and our brother Al Gormley shared this with me one time, and he was so excited. <laughs> I never will forget his excitement. He, was, he said, have you ever looked in Zechariah where he's talking about the servant of the Lord and that sword of justice coming against him? He said, have you ever saw that? And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Do you know what that means? He <laughs> said, and I said, tell me, brother. And he brought me here. That sword of justice, that sword that Jesus would pass through, that Zechariah foretells, is that way to the tree of life that is opened up by him. Nobody else could pass through it. Nobody else was able. Our Lord opened that way for us. And he opened the door back to life that was closed off to the rest. He finished the work that God had given him to do. And he passed through that sword. He passed through that sword to open that way to the tree of life. I, I never will forget Brother, Brother Gormley's face. when he was, I mean, he was just glowing. He, I mean, he just found this. And he was excited. got me excited about it when he, he was so excited about it. So we see here Adam and Eve now because of their sin, that the ground is cursed. Uh, childbirth will be in sorrow and in pain. There's going to be power struggle between them, uh, and that will continue on. Sin is continuing on now in this world. That it passes on to all the subsequent generations after Adam and Eve. We read in uh, 
Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12 in regards to this as Paul speaks to this very issue here. He says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. So it's, he's, he's speaking here plainly of Adam and Adam's sin. In fact, he's, I've quoted that verse to you, part of the verse to you just a moment ago in verse 14. He says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Speaking of the Lord Jesus that was to come, the last Adam. Uh, but he says there in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man, speaking of Adam there, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So it is, it is Adam's sin that is passed on to all of us, and that sin continues in us, so that all of us are born with sin. We're born dead in trespasses and sin. And so the condition of our forefather Adam continues on in us. And so that should teach Adam in, <laughs> in his best state. Adam in, his, in that, that state of goodness. That state of perfection, if you will, there in the garden. Failed. And if Adam in the, that best state fell and cursed us all, what do the rest of us Adams in our fallen state, what are we able then to do? You know, that, that sin is just perpetuated. And we are not lifted above that in ourselves. We continue on in it. And it is only in Christ that we are delivered from that. It is only in Christ that we are brought that forgiveness and given that restoration and that rescue from that awful estate. Verse 19 of Romans 5, he says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, that being Christ, obedience of one shall many be made righteous. By the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. And so this is the reality for us. In the sin, this is where sin began uh, it, for man, it entered in because of Adam's sin brought into the world, brought into us. Because, <laughs> excuse me, because of Adam's sin here in the garden. He brought this curse of sin upon us all uh, there because he took of that fruit. From the tree that God had commanded him not to eat of. And thereby he corrupted all of the human race. And for that matter corrupted the world. Corrupted the world. Our Lord was the one that delivered us 
from it, from that corruption. And in Him we are delivered. Now we recognize, we know uh, that in that deliverance uh, we are still contending with the flesh and that, that that problem of the flesh will continue until we receive our glorified bodies. Uh, but until that time comes, we'll still struggle with the flesh. But our deliverance is already. There is therefore now. That's right now. There is therefore now. No condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, we are delivered in Christ Jesus. Now. Now. Now, again, physically, we're going to still continue. We're still going to struggle with it. We're still going to fight against that sin. But we are delivered in Christ. We're delivered in Him. All right, let's go to the Lord and word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. We thank you, Father, for your mercy and your goodness to us. We pray that you would help us this day as we've met together. Father, we pray that you'd bless your word, make it a part of our hearts and our minds and our thinking today. Father, as we consider you and consider the wonder of your blessings toward us. Father, we praise you for what you've accomplished in our stead. And Father, we pray that you'd help us now as we come together to do this part of our monthly business, that you'd help us in all things, that we would glorify and honor you, do all things decently in order before you, we pray. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right.